We're in the midst of a series called Believe in Big. Everybody say, Believe in Big. Believe in Big. We're going through Isaiah chapter 40 with the hope and prayer that this would inject faith and hope into our hearts. Last week, how many of you were here to hear Pastor Robbie preach? Pastor Robbie did a phenomenal job. He's the executive pastor of Greenhouse Gainesville talking about the grandeur and the greatness of God. His trajectory went like this. God is great and God is good. So finally, Selah, pause, reflect, be astounded at the greatness of our God. This week is the final week in our Believe in Big series. Everybody say, oh. It's the final week, but I am hoping that we could culminate this series together as we take big belief and turn it into action. So if you'd stand with me to your feet as we get ready to read and honor God's word. I got to go to my first ever Miami Dolphins game in the regular season this past Thursday, and we won. That was amazing. I'm not going to say Nancy and I were the good luck charms, but Nancy is God's favorite. So if you want to start a GoFundMe to get us to all the Dolphins games, you want to see some victories, I will, choose, I will be the Lord's chosen vessel for that if you would so desire. Man, that was good. Uh, turn to your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 40. If you're ready, say, let's do this. We'll start in verse 27. Why do you complain? Jacob, if you're like, if your name is Jacob, that's probably awkward. He's just talking about in general, right? It's to Israel. It's not you, although if the shoe fits. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? You ever felt that way before? My cause is disregarded by my God. Isaiah continues, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. This is a good promise right here. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak because even youths grow tired and weary and young men, they stumble and they fall. But those who hope in the Lord, what does it say? We just sang that, right? Why don't we say that together? But those who hope in the Lord, he'll renew their strength. Let's say this one more time. But those who hope in the Lord, he'll renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Lord, do that in our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your neighbor, give him a high five, elbow bump, air high five, wherever you're at in your comfort level. You can kiss him on the cheek if you're married to him or the lips or in tongues because we're Pentecostal. Praise the Lord. Woo. Some of y'all are like, that was like a marriage counseling session right there at 15 seconds. Praise him. Let me start like this. It's actually my first point. We're all tired. Can I get an amen? Like we're we're all tired. A lot of us are, are, are tired of waiting. How many of you, like me, have a tough time just waiting? Anybody here willing to confess that? Um, my wife and I purchased our first home a little over two years ago with the help of my parents, and uh, we were really excited. And so we are now getting around to some of the needed uh, fixes and upgrades and updates and all those sorts of things. And we have been caught in, in the supply chain issue. Did any of you know there's like a supply chain issue right now in the globe, in the planet? Um, some of you are maybe business leaders on the uh, suffering side of things. Like we're trying to get stuff done. It's, it's harder than ever, and it's crazy. Some of you, uh, maybe like me, are on the consuming side of things. They're like, what? We 
we, we had a project, we were trying to do it. Uh, it was supposed to take six weeks for materials and three days for an install. It took six months for materials and three and a half weeks and the install is not yet fully completed. And I would like to tell you that I'm a pastor that floats above it all. Praise the Lord that I have no driveway and must park it in my neighbor's yard for three and a half weeks. Bless God. And sometimes I have done that, but other times I'm like, come on, what's the deal? Nancy, you got to call the company. I'm going to call the company. Someone's got to call the company. Call the cops on the company. I don't know what's happening. And, and man, we just have a hard time waiting sometimes. Now, here's a problem. The reason that this passage resonates with us so deeply and the reason why maybe you didn't even know that song, but you were like doing your best windshield wiper worship wave to that song is because we humans grow tired when we need to wait. Amen? But life is full of waiting. We get tired with understaffed fast food restaurants that are no longer fast, let's just be clear. They are moderately paced restaurants at this point, right? We get tired when you're in the kid's pickup line and that, I'm like, Lord have mercy, could it go any slower? Like, what are they doing? Are they singing each individual child a personalized song before they walk them to your car? Like, we figured this out. It's called Chick-fil-A. They have all of the globe coming at one time and they move fast. Anybody else? It just feels good to get that out. <sighs> Man. We get tired with material shortages and labor shortages and employee, come on, business owner, shortages. Does anybody want to work? We grow tired. No. <laughs> we grow tired with life and we grow tired with stuff and we grow tired with people. And if we're really being honest, if we're not careful, we grow tired with God. See, here's what's happened. We have learned largely through our experiences with people, that if we are waiting longer than anticipated, longer than promised, longer than expected, we have learned that that means we have been forgotten, that we're not a priority, that we're an afterthought. And our painful experiences with people have predisposed us to lack of trust, to lack of faith, to lack of belief. And so a sermon series like Believing Big is so necessary because life beats the belief out of you. We get big promises and it's under-delivered. We get big promises and it's a stab in the back. We get big promises and it's a letdown after letdown. And if we are not careful, we assume in the waiting that what people did to us in those painful moments, God is doing to us again. But he's not, but he's not. See, if we're not careful, when the waiting doesn't measure up to our prescribed plan of action, we assume wrongfully that now we've gotta make it happen because we're a make it happen tribe here in America. We gotta make it happen. God, I know God said, but I prayed and he did it, so I gotta make it happen. And Isaiah reminds us, this is nothing new. Look at what he says here in verse 27. He says, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my cause, my way is hidden from the Lord and my cause is disregarded by my God? See, this is nothing new. Maybe you read this and you resonated with it or you remember a season like that. But what had happened is that in Isaiah chapter 1 through 39, Isaiah is recounting the fall and the exile of the people of God. 
God had told his people, listen, you need to stop sinning. You need to stop oppressing the poor. You need to stop going against my rules and my precepts and my teachings because if you don't, there's gonna be a foreign army and they're gonna invade and you're gonna be exiled and it's gonna be bad and God's people did what we do so often. Yeah, 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 it's fine, I got this. And they didn't listen. So guess what happened? A foreign army came in and they were exiled and it was really bad. And the people of God, there's nothing new, friends. The people of God back then began to say what we so often find ourselves saying in modern day. Either number one, God doesn't see, or number two, God doesn't care. My way is hidden from the Lord. Or my cause is just disregarded by my God. To piggyback using language from Pastor Robbie this past week, they began to feel what we so often can, can feel, how we can so often wrongfully connect the dots that either God isn't great enough to see or he isn't good enough to care. And this passage is so important to us this morning because it's been a painful and often disappointing season that we've lived through. And if we're not careful, we'll look at all of these promises that God made, all of his promises, which by the way are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, all of these promises that are true and foundations for our lives. And the temptation is that when the rubber meets the road, we gravitate to one of two errors. Either God can't or God just won't. I was talking with Pastor Mike. He's a lead pastor in Greenhouse Church in Gainesville. He's a pastor in my life and we sermon prep together most weeks, and so we were going back and forth, kind of sharing our hearts and what God is speaking to us through the passage as we were collaborating together. And he's like, man, you know, it's funny, John. It reminds me of a few weeks ago, uh, my young, one of my younger daughters, and, and she needed shoes, you know, and so I had promised her I was going to get her shoes. And, and so she was all excited about this, and, and so the day comes, he's like, and, and I told her, hey, on this day, I'm going to get you sh shoes. And so he said, I, I just wanted to do something special and surprise her, and so I had checked with, like, some of my other kids. He's got, like, nine million kids. Um, he's like, I checked with some of my, he actually has eight, so he, not a lot of kids. And so he's like, I checked with some of my other kids, and I found out, like, what kind of shoes she liked, and what, I, I made sure I verified her size, and that day, I was going to surprise her, and so I went to Dick's Sporting Goods, and I bought her the shoes. And I had them in a bag and I was gonna bring them, you know, bring them home when I got home from work. He said, I had a few different errands and I was running some different things around and, and his daughter, Anaya, was waiting at home. And so she's there waiting and dad had promised that he was gonna get her shoes and, and as, as little kids tend, you know, kids are kind of like God in this way, a day is like a thousand years, right? So she's waiting around, she's like, where? And, and, and so she's growing increasingly impatient and she's growing increasingly frustrated. And finally, as the day is getting time to closing time, end of the work day, Pastor Mike is gonna be coming home, shoes in hand. She finally culminates in this emotional explosion and she yells out to mom, mom, dad's a liar. And so Pastor Mike's wife was like, uh, excuse me? Some of you are like, in my household, that's called you're dead. Like, that's, what, that's how I was raised. She's like, excuse me? And she's like, well, and she went on to tell, dad said he would get me shoes and he promised today he'd get me shoes, but he never got me and he forgot about me and he didn't get the shoes and da, 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 da. So when Mike got home, his wife's like, hey, we need to talk. You know, this is what happened. And he's like, and he pulls out the bag. She goes, Anaya, why don't you come over here and tell me what you said about daddy? Every parent's like victory moment, right? Like, yes, because five times out of 10, I forgot. And I couldn't help but shake that as an analogy for Heavenly Father. 
Because all we like sheep are like little kids waiting at home for shoes that God promised. And we're assuming because it didn't work out in the same scenario that we had envisioned in our minds that God forgot, that we're an afterthought, that God, that dad is a liar. All the while, he's got shoes in the car driving back to the house. See, in the waiting, we grow weary. Here's why. It's not the waiting we have problems with. It's what the waiting means. We've learned through painful experiences with people that if we're waiting longer than expected, they're not looking out for us. They're looking out for them. We've learned through our experiences with individuals who maybe weren't ill-willed and malintentioned, but they were broken just like us, that if I have not been sought after, it's because no one is looking out for me. I've got to look out for myself. It's not the waiting that's so challenging for us. It's what the waiting means. We're terrified that we're not loved, that we're not seen, that we're forgotten. And friends, I need to remind you this morning as we continue in this trajectory of even what we've sung this morning, God is not like those people in your life. He loves you more than any human being ever can or ever will. He cares for you more than you could ever imagine. He's numbered the hairs on your head, which is easier for me than some of y'all, but he's done it, right? Every single thought, some of you just caught that. You're like, oh, because you don't have any hair. Yeah, God bless you. His love is amazing. His love is astounding. And if God, it says, scripture says, God is not slack concerning his promises, but he's, he's patient. He's patient. If I answered every single request of my son in the timing that he asked it, he would be driving a go-kart right now. And he's five. It's not because I don't love him. I've answered the request, maybe. It's just not gonna be answered for another 15 years. Number one, we're all tired, we're confused, we're made weak with waiting, we're anxious, we're afraid, and we make horrible decisions in this state. Which brings us to the reminder and the encouragement from Isaiah. Point number one, we're all tired. Point number two, God isn't tired. Is that good news to anybody else? God is not sitting in heaven stressed out about the supply chain issues. God is not sitting up in heaven stressed out about your marriage issues. God is not sitting up in heaven stressed about your career industry issues. God is seated on the throne calmly because he's the king. Isaiah says it like this, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Isaiah reminds the people of God in the midst of 39 chapters of calamity that God is seated sovereign above it all. By the way, we're reminded about the greatness and the grandeur of God all throughout the trajectory of scripture. Hebrews 4 says it like this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Did you know that? Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him 
to whom we must give an account. David says in the Psalms, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice, clouds and thick darkness surround him being God. Righteousness and justice, they're the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. Oh God, everyone's against me. He's got it. His lightning lights up the world, the earth sees and trembles, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. All the peoples will see his glory. Earlier in Isaiah, leading up to this moment, verse 21, Isaiah says again, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. You know people? Yeah, they're like grasshoppers to him. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to nothing and reduces the rulers of this world to naught. Verse 25, he says, to whom will you compare me? Who's my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these things? He brings out the starry hosts one by one, calls forth each one of them by name, and because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Wow, right? I just read you four verses and you're like, oh snap, God is like the man. Yes, he is God. He, yeah, he's Abba, Father, hello. he's God, creator, omnipotent, powerful. And sometimes as a dad, God knows what dads know. Sometimes as a dad, you just gotta flex a little bit. Let me explain. My son Liam is five years old and this boy is precious in my sight, but he does not lack in confidence at all. And one day we were out kicking the soccer ball in the backyard. He started playing soccer in his little I-9 league, which is it's basically like a human bait ball. Like they all just follow the soccer ball. It's really glorious. And, um, and he said, Dad, I could beat you in a race. I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. I said, you think you could beat me in a race? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, let's race. Where do you want to race to? So he's like, let's race to the fence. I was like, great, let's race to the fence. Where do you want to start? We're going to start right here. I said, okay, great. He said, okay. I said, you think you're gonna beat me? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. We get lined up and I go like this. I turn around backwards. He says, dad, you're going the wrong way. I said, I know. He's facing this way, I'm facing backwards. On your mark, get set, go. I start backpedaling on him. I'm like, I played cornerback in high school, son. You can't get me. I smoked him backwards. I could have lapped him backwards. And I just walked up to him. I said, you still think you're faster than me, son? He said, no, you're way faster. We went inside. Nancy was like, who won, Liam? He's like, dad is much faster, mom. But I'm faster than you. Like, he still hasn't learned his lesson yet. Sometimes as a dad, you just got to show him. Because you can say, son, your dad is here to protect you. Son, your dad is looking out for you. Son, your dad is not gonna let anything happen to you. The question is, well, that's great, dad, that you love me, but can you actually deliver? I'm not the fastest human in the world, but I could beat my five-year-old backwards. And God is reminding his people, hey, I know things have been painful. And I know it's tempting to think that all those promises that I made to you I actually could not or were not able or did not care enough to deliver on. But let me just remind you for a moment of who you have as dad in heaven. I am plenty potent for all of your needs and dilemmas. 
I'm God. And in this infinite mercy and love, God is highlighting after 39 chapters of pain, Isaiah chapter 1 through 39, after 39 chapters of carnage reflecting almost 200 years of painful, heartbreaking waiting, that God is great, that God is big, that God is powerful, that God is omnipotent, and that God is good, that he's ready able, willing, and wanting to help and restore. Point number one, we're all tired. Point number two, God is not. And so finally, the call is what we sung about this morning, to wait on and hope in God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you gotta wait. You gotta wait. Like we sung, we're gonna wait on him. Look at verse 30. It says, even youths grow tired. And weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. How many of you have heard this verse before? Heard it referenced? You've read it before? Okay, it's a pretty popular Bible verse. The promise from God is strength in place of our weakness. How many of you like the sound of that? You're like, that sounds like a good value proposition. I'm on board for that. The promise is strength in place of our weakness. But what exactly is the call to action? If the promise is strength in place of our weakness, it doesn't take too much deduction to decide that's a good, that's, that, that, that's a good offering, God. I think I'll take you up on that one. But what do we do? What are we supposed to do? See, different versions of the Bible tell us to do different things. In the, NI, in the NIV, which I just read, it says, but those who hope in the Lord, he'll renew their strength. In the ESV, it says that those who wait on the Lord, which is what we sang about, that's where that song came from, this passage, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Which one is it? Is it hoping or is it waiting? Yes. Yes. The original language is actually much more similar to a heavenly language that you might know called Espanol. How many of you speak Spanish? All right, let, let me give us a sense here. How do you say the word hope in Spanish? Esperanza, right? How do you tell someone to wait in Spanish? Espera. Same thing, right? Same root. The, the, the same idea is baked right into that idea. Hope is to wait, and to wait is to hope. Biblically, what we're saying is that when you are waiting, and the timing seems to stink, it doesn't measure up to what you had planned or anticipated, we have hope because we know his character, his track record, and we believe his promises. To wait is to hope, and to hope is to wait. Biblically, they are intertwined because we know on whom we have believed. You wait with hope because you're not just waiting on some contractor that may or may not show. You wait with hope because you're not just waiting on some relative that's gonna let you down again. You wait with hope because you're not just waiting on that person that never stands by their word. You wait with hope because you're trusting in God. And all of his promises are yes and amen. To hope in the Lord, to wait on the Lord is then both active and passive. You're like, what, what does that mean? What in the world does that mean? What, what does hoping, what does waiting in the Lord look like practically? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Here's what it looks like for me. When I am tempted 
to be disappointed and take matters into my own hands because my timeline of how I anticipated God answering does not match up to the reality of what is happening, I remind myself of two things. Number one, who God is, and number two, what God said. By the way, I would jot this down because this is gonna help somebody. If you are struggling in the waiting and you are beginning to lose hope twofold, you need to remind yourself, number one, of who God is, his character, his track record, and number two, what God said, his promises that are yes and amen. And then when I am tempted to forget his greatness or his goodness, when I am growing tired in the waiting in between the promise and the provision, I pray. I'm gonna say that again because I like all the alliteration in that line. When I'm growing tired in the waiting in between the promise and the provision, I pray. I pray. It's not simply passive waiting, it's active waiting. We're reading through the book of Daniel with a bunch of guys from Microchurch in a Bible reading plan. I love the book of Daniel. I've read it maybe more than any other book in the Bible at this point. Feel very called by God to study it. And so Daniel is in exile, similar scene here in the book of Isaiah. His would be in the book of Jeremiah. He's in exile. The people of God have rebelled against God and they're in exile. And so Daniel made it a habit in the midst of his waiting to pray, scripture tells us, three times a day. He might have prayed more than that, but we know for sure he had a set, appointed date time, you know, appointment with God. He got there in his room, looked toward Jerusalem, and he would pray three times a day. And he's praying prayers of repentance to God, and he's claiming the promises of God from the prophet Jeremiah. Daniel is praying. When he is tempted to feel like, because things look like, and the scenario looks like they have been forgotten, Daniel goes to prayer. And because God knows our frame and he knows scripture says we're like dust, when we get tired of waiting, God gives us something to do. How many of you type A people are like, man, what, what do you want me to do? Oh gosh, waiting, like I, a piece of me dies every time someone just says the word waiting. Okay, great, here's something you could do. Pray. While you're waiting, pray. This is what James says. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? Guess what you should do? Pray. Are any of you happy? Sing songs of praise. Are any of you sick? Call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil, and the prayer of saving faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. He says, oh, if you're stuck in sin, here's what you should do. Confess your sins one to another and pray. Do you see a common methodology from God being laid out to his people? When you're suffering, when you're happy, when you're sick, when you're trapped in sin, you should pray. And if you want to believe big, if you want to turn big belief into action, you pray big prayers. Are you serious, Pastor John? You set this whole message up to land on, we should pray. Yes, yes. I've been stunned this week considering the impact of prayers. I gotta be honest with you, I am not Mr. Intercessor. Most of my time with God, I'm just listening, quiet and reflective because God knows I use enough words in every other sector of life. But I struggle with just standing there in prayer. I struggle with intercession. I'm deeply committed to it time-wise, but it's not something that comes naturally to me. So if you resonate, you're like, man, prayer's so hard. Amen. This stirred my heart so much. I've got a friend here in town. He's another pastor and 
And God's just kind of knit us together. We've realized like, man, we're all, we'll, have, we'll have like similar interactions, similar thoughts. And finally, we're like, man, I feel like we're supposed to start praying together. And so we have like bi-monthly rhythm, rhythms where we meet up and we'll pray and encourage one another. And, and we found out after a little period of time that, that he, he mentioned something to his father who's a minister in town. And he's like, oh, I, I know his dad. He's like, we actually used to pray together for our sons. It's like, that's wild, right? It's like, is, that can't be a coincidence that we feel this inexplicable connection and we're, we're starting to pray together and do ministry together and we find out our dads were praying together for their sons. Gets crazier. So we'll just randomly, I'll just get thoughts. I'm like, text him, I'm like, hey bro, I felt like I was supposed to pray for you for da 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 and he'll call me. He's like, what? how did you know that God was going on? I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea. So he calls me this week. I hadn't talked to him about what I'm preaching on. He said, hey man, I, I, I was in my devotions. I feel like God told me I was supposed to share this with you and by the way, what a gift having other friends who are pastors is. He says, I, I just feel like I was supposed to share this with you. And, um, and so he shares a quote from this man, Robert Murray McShaney, on prayer. I'm like, bro, I'm about to preach all about prayer. This is perfect. He's like, oh, wow, that's cool. And this is a quote. What a man is on his knees before God, that he is, and nothing more. Oof. What a man is or a woman is on their knees before God, that he or she is, and Nothing more. It just started with conviction. I was like, whew, dang. I better start praying about my message on prayer. But for some reason, the name stood out to me. I'm like, wait, whose quote was that? He's like, oh, this guy, Robert Murray McShaney. I was like, I think that's my relative. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, my mom gets into all this genealogical stuff. And so I text, I I was like, is is he, he's like, he's from Scotland. He's like an old head saint guy that's been dead a couple hundred years that was really known for prayer and his commitment to the Bible. I'm like, did he do like ministry with Jewish people in Israel way back in the day? He's like, let me Wikipedia it. Because that's how we figure out all the modern things in life. So it's like, he did. I'm like, I think that's my relative. That's crazy. So I text my mom. She's like, yeah, my mom gave me some genealogical tree document and I found his name there. And then we went to Scotland. We find out whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's wild. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is strange, Lord. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're like, how does this connect to prayer? It'll get there. So I'm like, mom, what's the deal with this guy? That's a random thing that this buddy of mine that God's connected all of a sudden gives me this quote from this guy who happens to be one of my relatives. What's the deal with this guy? My mom's like, well, he had really three major passions in his life. He was deeply committed to prayer in the scriptures, He had a passion for the Song of Solomon, one of the books of the Bible. He would teach on it, write on it, preach on it. And he had a passion for sharing the gospel and being a witness to Jewish people. I was like, Mom, you have a deep life calling to the Song of Solomon and have written multiple books and have preached on it all over the world. And you have a deep and prevailing passion for reaching Jewish people with the gospel. And immediately, I thought of Revelation 5. And I need us to catch this because I, this is not just your, okay, Americans pray and then we get tired in like two minutes of microwave prayers and nothing happens. We're like, oh, God's not listening. Revelations talks about how God treats prayer. It's a weird picture. It's kind of trippy. Crazy animals, stuff happening. And then in the middle of it all, if you've never read the book of Revelation, if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. But it says that there are these golden bowls in heaven And they're filled with this fragrance, this incense, this aroma before God's nostrils that he just loves. And it tells us what it is. This fragrance is the prayers of God's people. And I started thinking about this. I'm like, is it a coincidence that me and this 
pastor buddy of mine just happen to be friends and start praying together and do all this connection and then find out later that our parents have been praying for us together? Is it a coincidence that my mom's great, 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 great relative back in the day who had a great passion for the Song of Songs and reaching Jewish people for the gospel and all of a sudden she happens to stumble into the identical calling? Is that just a crazy coincidence? Or is it possible that our prayers are not as time-bound as we are tempted to think that they are? I'm, I'm telling you, man, Lord, let this come out of my mouth like it is in my heart. I got so motivated to pray because I'm like, I am an American, in case you didn't know, and so are you, most of you. And we are addicted to the immediate. We're addicted to it. We want fast this and fast. It's why the supply chain issue irks all of us because we're like, we want stuff now. We want it the right way. We want it perfect and we want it fast, right? That's our deal. And so if we are not careful, we assume that God is American, meaning he promised me he'll do it. So that means he's going to do it when? Right now. And when he does not, we assume he's a liar. Because his chronology does not match up with our expectations. And if we can move beyond our chronological snobbery, where we assume that everything in our time frame is the only time frame, is it possible that every single promise from God is actually yes and amen, and it just might not get answered this week or this month or this year or in your lifetime, but every single one is precious before God, he holds them in golden bowls, and he remembers and answers every single one according to his will. I'm like, what, what if we start... Man, because I got to be honest, I'm like, sometimes I pray prayers, I'm like, God, he answers, he does, and it looks different, but what if I'm praying prayers that God is going to answer for my kids? I love my kids. I'm on board for that. What if, God, what if I'm praying prayers that God is going to answer for my kids' kids? I love my, God willing, if Jesus tarries, grandkids down the road, right? All of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. If all of the promises of God are yes and amen, and every single prayer gets answered according to Scripture, according to his will, especially if you're praying the promises of God in Scripture, then I'm never wasting my time when I pray, even if I don't see the results in the immediate or in my lifetime. I want us to pray like that. I'm like, Lord, give us, you talk about believing big. Here's what believing big means. Can you trust God that his word is true even if you never see it in your lifetime? Because his word is true. God doesn't exist, right? God exists outside of time. We imagine that prayers have an expiration date, namely when we expire or when our interest expires. God's like, you read the book of Daniel, there's some crazy stuff. Daniel's praying, he's like, God, come through, and an angel shows up, he's like, hey, listen, as soon as you started praying, I gave an answer, but then I was traveling over here, and then this demon started fighting me, so I had to call up, back up, I was like, yo, Michael, come help me out, and then Michael started fighting him, then I came, and I told that's a Bible story, that happens, prayer is way crazier than we think in our little drive-through American mentality, what if every single prayer, God's like, got you, We're like, but you didn't do it, he's like, I, I, I got you, but, but I don't see it, I got you. Oof. When you walked in, you should have, I don't know where I'm at in my notes. When, I, when you walked in, you should have gotten one of these cards. Worship team, you could come up. I'm sure I'm close to the end. Oh, I'm over my time. Grab one of these cards, please. I, I want us to culminate this sermon series praying some big prayers. And, and I had a sense from the Lord that he is wanting to specifically stir a renewed hope for some old prayers. 
a renewed hope for some old prayers. I'm here this morning as Pastor John because of the prayers, because of the grace of God and the prayers of a believing mom and a believing dad. I am confident of that. I'm confident of that. Yeah, thank you, God, and thank you, mom. That's my life. I want to call us to pray and believe again. Those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord, he will renew their strength. Some of us have been praying. We've been praying for family members, and we've been asking for children or a relative or that loved one for weeks or years or decades, and you're not seeing any change. Can I implore you, keep praying and believing big. Some of you have been at your job and you're like, man, I know God's called me here. And John, I've been praying for open doors with my coworkers and open doors with, and nothing's happening and nothing's, and I haven't seen any manifestation yet. Don't give up. Keep praying and believing big. Maybe you've been in between jobs and you're bouncing around in careers. And you're like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And, and it talks about James asked for wisdom. I've been asking. I haven't seen anything yet. It's because God is still working. Keep praying and knocking and seeking and asking and believing big because even if you stop waiting on him he's still going to keep his promises because he's faithful because he's faithful and it's time to engage again what promises are you going to cling to what big prayers are you praying and believing God for maybe right now something came to mind and you've you've put it aside because it hasn't happened yet and it's just too painful Say, Pastor John, it's just too whoa. It's just too painful to even to even go there again. God sees. He cares. Your prayers are precious to him. And he's listening. I want you to take this index card. You should have gotten a pen when you walked in as well. If you don't, you could jot it down on your phone, but I think there's something powerful about writing it down. And I want us to put our faith into action through writing down some of these big requests. The worship team's gonna just play instrumentally for a moment, and I want you to write a few things down. Maybe last week resonated, you're a small business owner and, and you've, you've continued to chew on that. Maybe it's some big prayers for your business, for your occupation. Maybe it's some big prayers for your family. Maybe it's some big prayers for a loved one that's drifted from God. Maybe it's some big prayers for healing. Maybe it's some big prayers for financial provision. Maybe it's some big prayers for wisdom, clarity, direction. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to encourage you to not just leave it in your mind, but to write it with your hands. That right there is a step of faith. God is great. And God is good. He's listening. He's waiting. He's willing. I just want you to write them down. Holy Spirit, prompt our hearts. It's prayers for your family. Maybe it's prayers for your kids. Prayers for your marriage. Prayers for your business. Prayers for your life, for your calling, for that healing, for freedom from that bondage, from that addiction, for transformation, for that situation. Maybe it's direction, deliverance, peace, wisdom. Take God at his word. take a moment to jot some things down.
right, so here's how I'd like to end. If we could stand to our feet, I'd encourage you, if you have that card on paper, take a picture of it. You might lose the paper, stick it in your Bible, do whatever with the paper, but just in case you've still got that there on your phone. But here's how I wanna close this out. If I could get our prayer partners up here to the front, we're gonna sing a final chorus, sort of culminating our time together. And, and as we sing, if you've jotted down some things and it's stirred up some memories in your heart, and you find yourself, you know, we sung that song, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You found yourself in a Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief state. One of the ways he chooses to help that unbelief is with his people, it's with other people. If you'd like someone to agree in prayer with you, if you want to pray, maybe to put your trust and your faith in Jesus and receive forgiveness and freedom that only he offers. If you need prayer for a situation in your life, whatever the case might be, as soon as we start to sing this song together, you're welcome to come forward, but let's culminate our time worshiping God as we sing this together. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so goodness of God. Oh, sing all my life, cause all my life you have been faithful. Oh, and all my life you have been so, so is running after it's running after me oh is your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down i'm surrendered now when i give you everything because oh, your goodness is running after it's running after me sing your goodness and your goodness is running after running after me oh, your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I surrender now when I give you everything oh, it's your goodness is running after it's running after me if you've got your card why don't we lift these up to the Lord together God, we trust you. You are great. You're omnipotent. You're all-powerful. You're the one who 
hung the stars in the skies and holds the earth together and the mountains melt like wax and all these incredible, grandiose things. And you are good. You care. You're near. You're loving. If you have not answered yet, it does not mean you have not answered it. It does not mean you are not listening. It just means you're doing something different than what we had in mind. But you're good. Lord, I love this church family so much. And some of these requests, I'm sure, hit at the very core of our heart and emotions. Lord, my prayer is twofold. Number one, that you would respond in your mercies, God, respond. Thank you that we're two or more agree touching upon anything you promised that you would do it. Thank you that all of your promises are yes and amen. Thank you that you are near to the brokenhearted and you bind up their wounds. Thank you that you desire for all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Thank you that you promise wisdom to those who lack generously and without reproach, Lot. God, thank you that you promise provision and protection. Thank you for the, that you're a shield to those who walk uprightly. Thank you that you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you, Lord. Thank you for the promises of your word. I'm praying that you would respond, Lord. And I'm praying you do it soon. And then, Lord, I'm praying that you would give us endurance in prayer. Lord, and in a culture where we're so obsessed with the immediate, where we're so obsessed with the microwave answer and response to every problem and situation, Lord, help us to not neglect the thanksgiving prep of prayers for the beautiful good things that you have planned and in store. Lord, help us to wait on you. Teach us to wait in you. Help us to hope in you. Give us grace and strength and endurance, Lord. We know the race is not for the swift. If it's for those who will endure, Lord, help us to endure. Renew our strength as we wait on you and hope in you. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people. Make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance and give them your shalom, shalom, perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen.